Spoiler alert, a two-word warning that we're about to ruin the end. But sometimes, spoilers can be worthwhile. And so we designed the Lexus NX to reveal many things, like taking the mystery out of how close you are between parking space lines or the time you'll arrive at your dinner reservation. Technology designed to remove surprise endings. It's just a better story that way. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Welcome back to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm super excited to share today's interview with you. Today, I'm going to be sharing my interview with Dr. Catherine Saint. She is a BCBA as well as a licensed professional counselor. So she has both that ABA background and that mental health background. She owns a private practice as well as teaching master's level behavior analytic courses. And she has this really amazing Instagram account. That's how I found her. Her Instagram is at Dr. Behavior Boss. And she shares different psychology frameworks, different everyday situations from a behavior analytic perspective. I love that she's talking about ABA in such a user-friendly way that makes sense. Um, a post that caught my eye as we were scheduling our interview was about attachment styles. It was looking at secure attachments versus insecure attachments and everything that goes into that from this ABA perspective. And I was like, this is what we have to talk about today. We really never touched on this topic on the podcast, so I was excited to talk about it. And it really is helpful to think through why people are acting why they do. You know, as Katie says later in this episode, you know, we would understand everyone's behaviors if we knew their MO, their motivating operations. So she goes through the different attachment styles and discusses what learning histories have gotten those people there and what strategies and supports we could do to help those people feel more safe and be more successful in their environment. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thanks so much for having me as well. I was just telling Katie before we started that I really love her Instagram. That's how I found her. And she shares all of 
so much great information and explains things about ABA in a really understandable way. So everyone has to check it out. What's your Instagram handle? It is Dr. Behavior Boss. Love it. Uh, When we were deciding what to talk about, I saw a post that Katie had shared a few weeks ago about attachment styles explained in behavior analytic terms. And I thought it was so interesting. And so I'd love to kind of chat about that today. Do you want to start us off kind of explaining what are the four styles of attachment? Absolutely. So we have a secure attachment style, which if you come from a healthy background and you have healthy conditioning with opening up and getting your needs met emotionally and physically, typically people develop a secure attachment. But when you grow up in a home where your emotional needs are met inconsistently and you're faced with some rejection in your communication, sometimes you can develop anxious attachments, avoidant attachments, or insecure attachments. So there's four different styles and it kind of depends on your conditioning, what got reinforced, what didn't, as to kind of where you end up in how you relate to relationships. Do you think knowing or having a rough idea of what type of attachment style someone has could help on what strategies or supports you give them? Absolutely. Depending on a person's attachment style, different things are going to trigger escape behavior. And so if you know, say, for example, an avoidant attachment style typically is going to engage in escape behavior when it comes to emotional topics. So opening up and having those vulnerable conversations are super hard for somebody with an avoidant attachment style. So if you know this about them, you know to proceed with caution. You know you're going to have to go the extra mile to pair yourself with reinforcement to make that environment feel safe so you're not triggering that escape behavior. That's a great example. I even think in the classroom, like that would be good to know about a a child as well and how you approach them and what things you want to do. So it's kind of interesting to think about everything like that. Absolutely. I think a lot of people, when they think of ABA and escape behavior or things like that, we only think about autism or kids, but it applies to all of us and it massively shapes how we interact with each other. Yeah. So let's go through each of these attachment styles and kind of break down what it looks like behavior analytically and then maybe what supports we could give, kind of how you just did. Um Let's start off with that anxious attachment style. What what does that look like from that individual's like history of learning? Absolutely. So an anxious attachment is going to have frequent patterns of pursuing the relationship and then pulling away. So there's going to be this push-pull that happens. They're going to struggle to be in the moment um, because inside their head, they're going to be predicting rejection. They're going to be anxious about things. And so really enjoying the moment is going to be difficult for them. So to compensate for the unpleasant internal events that they're experiencing, the anxiety, things like that, a lot of times people with anxious attachments seek to control. They might 
criticized more often. They might be a little bit needy. So there's going to be this push-pull of criticism and then please don't leave me, those sort of behavior patterns. And a lot of times that comes from growing up, they had love inconsistently. So they kind of had to work for it and then it was taken away and it was unpredictable. So there's that conditioning there that love is not going to be consistent. It's not something you can really rely on. So as adults, they will try to compensate for that and they will pursue reducing that rejection by overcompensating in those ways. That totally makes sense. And you could also picture, you know, kids that are currently in that situation would are probably engaging in a lot of quote-unquote problem behaviors in the classroom too. Absolutely. And a lot of those kids in their homes, they've learned that problem behavior is the most consistent way to get attention. If mm-hmm. If their behavior is extreme enough, you can't ignore it versus when they're well-behaved, when they're communicating respectfully, their reinforcement from their parents as far as what kind of attention they get from them is probably pretty inconsistent. So it's easy to think from a behavior pattern standpoint of how those problem behaviors get reinforced more frequent than the good behaviors. Yeah. And what can teachers and clinicians in that scenario, like I'm picturing, you know, former clients and students, but I'm like, you just explained to them, um, what, what kind of supports can they add into the environment for them to be successful? The biggest thing with someone who doesn't have a secure attachment is creating a consistent environment. So the more consistent and predictable your environment is, the easier to the easier it will be for someone to be successful if they have that inconsistent background. So a lot of times we're inconsistent due to compassion. We make exceptions for people. We feel bad given the circumstances, but that's actually not very helpful to someone with high anxiety or you know an attachment style that's not secure. So if we can make the environment consistent and predictable, that creates the sense of security. Like I know what to expect. I know what's going to happen. I don't have to test this environment anymore. And typically they're going to be a lot more successful then. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. That's kind of interesting, that idea on like we make exceptions with compassion. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit more? Absolutely. 
so often people intend to be consistent with rules and different boundaries, but then they see the anxiety of a child or they see how badly the child wants it and they just want to make that child happy and they just want to give in to that. And so it's not coming from a bad place at all, but they feel like, okay, you know, if I say yes this time, it's not a big deal. The kid is happy because they got what they wanted. But then the problem comes in in that they don't say yes every time. So sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no. And sometimes the excuses are powerful enough, sometimes they're not. So it just creates this inconsistent environment where then the child doesn't know what truly earns yeses and what truly earns those privileges. So it leaves them guessing. Oh, yeah. And I feel like sometimes reinforces the like pushing of the boundary. You know, like if I keep asking, I might get a yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, but and it, it it's I like that phrase, like, you know, we do it with compassion because we are. We're doing it to be nice and like we see the struggle there, but those boundaries are inconsistency are there for a reason. Right. Yeah, right, and so a that, lot of times people feel mean when they keep boundaries and they, they feel like a jerk saying no. You know, so I think that's part of why it can be hard to be consistent sometimes as well. Like we feel bad about ourselves then. Yeah. I mean, totally. I like this all makes a lot of sense. So that was kind of anxious, that anxious style of attachment. How is anxious different than avoidant? How are those two a little bit different? Sure. So avoidant attachment is going to be the type of child that's a little bit harder to connect with. So if you have a child with anxious attachment, they're going to pursue you a little bit more. Like I said earlier, there's that push and pull to the relationship uh, where avoidant attachment, their conditioning has taught them that relationships aren't really safe. And so they're going to avoid connection. And so these kids need a little extra love from the perspective of, It's not as easy to connect with them. Um, They're not pursuing affection. They're not pursuing connection as much as kids in secure and anxious attachments. Um, So you're going to see them um, have an attitude more. You know, you're going to you're going to see those defense mechanisms up where they're going to say things like, I don't care or doesn't bother me. Um, You know, they're not going to want to open up and have vulnerable conversations. Uh, So you're, you're just going to see a lot of walls put up with a child who has avoidant attachments. And then what type of approaches would be helpful in that scenario with a child or an adult that has that kind of avoidant um, attachment style? The biggest thing with someone who has avoidant attachment styles is not coming on too strong, kind of building up, creating that safe relationship, and then just touching on a subject and then coming back to it. You know, kind of like dipping your toes in the water, talking about it briefly, and then taking a break from it and coming back. If you don't come on super strong and if you continue to make that environment feel safe, they're less likely to withdraw and put up their defense mechanisms. So with any sort of 
attachment style that's not secure, whatever you can do to make them feel safe is going to help. And with the avoidant attachment style, the biggest way to make them engage in escape behavior is if you come on too strong. Mm -hmm. So that's where slowly easing into things, making it as safe as possible, um, creating small doses of it rather than forcing hour-long conversations, things like that can help overcome some of those defense mechanisms. Kind of interesting to think about like what makes each individual feel safe is going to be a little bit different, right? Absolutely. And I think that, oh, go ahead. One thing to kind of consider with the avoidant attachment style as far as what makes them feel safe, an avoidant attachment style, the less personal, vulnerable questions you're asking, the better, you know, because when you're making them feel vulnerable, that feels super unsafe to them. Where Mm. if you have somebody with an anxious attachment style, that's actually okay. If it's a safe environment and you're trying to get them to open up, that that actually might not trigger them at all. So just kind of recognizing that, that what triggers escape for one could be the opposite for the other. Yeah, that's true. Because it's not one, you know, as, as the world is, there's not one blanket strategy based on everyone's learning history that's going to be successful. Right, exactly. So we went over secure and avoidant. So the last one is, or we went over anxious and avoidant, and the last one is disorganized. What is, how does that one a little bit different than the other two? Sure. So this one is going to be the most extreme attachment um, disorder. And so you're going to see um, a high frequency of rejection behavior, um, avoidant behavior, where they are um, escaping, they are predicting rejection. Um, You might see um, people in this category uh, using people, taking advantage of their peers or relationships, or they might swing to the other extreme of being extremely enabling, um, very passive, and just having no voice at all standing up for themselves. Um, so we tend to see both ends of the spectrum with the unhealthy extremes of a relationship. Um, So when we're looking at this attachment style, um, it takes a lot to make them feel secure. It takes a lot to get them to trust relationships because they have a very strong history, often abuse in their background, leading them to believe that relationships are not safe and pretty consistently in their learning history people who they were supposed to trust actually caused them a lot of harm. Oh, that's really, yeah. Thinking about a lot of our kids that have such a, you know, strong history of trauma are probably, I would assume, in this type of attachment style. Exactly. Yes. So, I mean, this is like maybe the million dollar question. Then how do we, because there can be kind of so many differences in this, in this group. What are some starting off strategies? Obviously, it's going to be individualized to the student and the child, but where do we start off with these with these kids? Well, one thing that works with every attachment style is the consistency. 
but this is even more important for this group because their anxiety is so high because their distrust is so high having a predictable environment is going to be critical if we want to earn their trust we can't leave them guessing on what to expect and so proactively thinking about what are the expectations that I want to have? What are the rules that I'm going to stick to? And really making a plan in advance so that you can be consistent and so that the battles you're picking are worth it is really going to help. And I think too, with this attachment style, really tying things back to their values is going to be really important. So if you're placing a demand or asking them to do something non-preferred, really explaining how it benefits them, how it connects to something they care about is going to be really important. A lot of times this category of people have such a high distrust. And so if you tell them to do something they don't want to do, it could be very hard to motivate them. So if you're coming less as an authority figure and you're coming more as a partner, like, hey, you know what, I know this isn't super fun to do, but this benefits you in this way and it'll make your life easier because X, Y, Z. And so if, if we do that, then, you know, you'll get that benefit and then we can get to the stuff that you want to do right away after that. You know, so you want to just tie it in like that so that they can see this is about them. This is about helping them, benefiting them, rather than just some random non-preferred tasks that I have no desire to do. Yeah, that's great advice. And you could definitely see how that could play out positively in a like classroom or therapy session. Absolutely. A lot of times there's that missing piece where we forget to explain the why. Even kids without attachment struggles Explaining the why can really reduce that escape behavior because who wants to do something for no reason, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply taking that extra 
five seconds to explain how it benefits them can really help. Yeah. I love this kind of overall concept of of looking at something that's maybe more of a traditional psychology framework, but taking that behavior analytic perspective. Absolutely. That's part of what I love about behavior analysis. It truly explains every behavior we do. You know, when we look at our learning histories, the way we talk, how we interact with people, all of that has been shaped by patterns of reinforcement and punishment with other interactions with people. You know, so when we really sit down and analyze our learning histories, what we do makes sense. Yeah. And so I love the quote about you'll, you would never judge somebody if you knew their MOs. And so mm-hmm. MO is an ABA term for motivating operation, meaning like if you understood their motivation and the contingencies that they were faced with and their learning history, their behavior would make complete sense. You know, yeah. and, and I just think that's so true. And I feel like this is maybe a direction like our field needs to go more and more into on not being so stuck in and maybe where we were 20 years ago and and being open-minded on collaborating and working within other, you know, another framework. And hey, this is the way we view it in in our in our way. Um, but really being a more collaborative field on on like an idea like this. Absolutely. I think behavior analysts are trained so heavily not to be mentalistic and, you know, to think about things so behaviorally that sometimes I think we were afraid to branch out. Like it, we can't talk about psychology because that might have a mentalistic theory or, you know, different Mm -hmm. things like that. But when you really dive into it, psychology and ABA are completely compatible and they explain a lot of things together. You know, yeah. when we, we look at psychology diagnoses, mental health diagnoses, really they're just a list of symptoms that we observe behaviorally, you know. And then when we look at people's learning histories, they're conditioning a lot of times. Like sometimes it's genetic and things like that, too. But a lot of times their learning history shaped those behaviors. And so we can work together with psychology to to help people overcome a lot of that. I think it makes I think it makes the field of ABA so much more open because I think, you know, sometimes people have a hard time with that. Well, what about internal events and what about how does this explain this? But if we can, you know, think more critically and apply it just like you did here, I think more people would be on board with it too. I agree. I agree. I think a lot of people also use too much terminology, which I I can be guilty of it too. Um, But I think that scares people away as well when we're not using everyday language and and things like that to explain what's happening too. Yeah, exactly. I know if you're like afraid to accidentally use the wrong word, I felt like as a young behavioral analyst, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't say the wrong thing. But, and then that is limiting, right? That's punishing my behavior of even discussing and sharing ABA. Right, exactly. So what kind of prompted you to start your Instagram and kind of share your ideas? Well, actually, I have this coworker. uh, Her name is Jess, and she's just a real sweetheart of a person who's good at just 
encouraging people and, you know, being a cheerleader for folks. Um, and so she encouraged me to start an Instagram uh, just to kind of share this type of thing that ABA is not just for autism and ABA applies to all areas of life. And, and so I went ahead and I started it and it was actually really cool for me to meet just the number of people in our field who have been craving this and have not had an outlet for it or who have attempted to kind of talk about how ABA applies to more than just autism and more than just kids, but they have not been met with with friendliness in their <laughs> attempt to do that. So it's just been cool for me to kind of meet people who also share this passion of spreading ABA. I truly believe that if ABA could be accepted more generally, that we could help a lot of really challenging situations, even just doctors, for example, like they are asking people to go home and do all these challenging behavior changes to help people get well. And a lot of times people struggle to make those changes or counselors, the same thing. They have 45 minute sessions and they're counting on that client to take what they learned in that session and, and change their behavior outside of the session and then come back and tell us how it went. You know, So I think if there's more collaboration and more people who understand how ABA principles apply to all behavior, I just think the impact would be so huge. Yes, I know. It's it's so and the word crave is right because I feel like that's where I am. I'm like we need more of this. You know, it's we've I'm sure every behavior analyst listening has, you know, walked into a meeting or whatever and like I'm a BCBA. Oh, you're for the child with autism or you're for reducing negative behavior and it's like oh, it's not just that. <laughs> right, right. It's bigger than that. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining me, Katie. So, um your Instagram again is Dr. Behavior Boss, right? Yep, that's correct. Um, so I, everyone should give her a follow cause you're, you're sharing things in a really great way and, and very, and thinking very critically about things. It's not just like throwing up a meme that's like about elopement. That's funny. It's, it's really digging a little deeper on, on why we do what we do and, and applying these principles to everyday situations. So I think it's really, really helping, you know, explain our field to other people and hopefully getting more people excited about it also. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That makes me feel really good. All right. Thanks for joining, Katie. You bet. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one -on -one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.